Hello and welcome to the MHG podcast. Once again, I am Bradley and joining me this week, well, one, he's never thrown his knickers at me and two, apparently he doesn't come from Wales. It's Stu. How you doing, Stu? Pretty good. No, I'm not Tom Jones. Uh, although, you know, I'm not averse to squatting in a pair of trunks on the cover of the Radio Times. But, you know, that's just me. On the so literally on the cover, not not for the photograph, just like you get a cover of the Radio Times. And <laughs> We're you're just teabagging the Radio Times, teabagging the Radio Times. Well, there's the title of the podcast. I was going to say, yeah, there you go. Like That's that we, like we've nailed in. that one early. Teabagging yeah, the Radio Times. Total. You got it. Um, I'd love Cheris Matthews. I've just got. But that's the only reason I've done that intro. I was just like, I absolutely love Cheris Matthews or Kevis Matthews. I don't care how you say her name, but her voice is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's superb. Yeah, I um, I I saw them at um, God, a long time ago. Went to a Manic Street Preachers gig, and and they were and they yeah. were supporting. And yeah, really good, very good indeed. Manic, Manic Street Preachers to support them. Yeah. <laughs> But she's the only person I know. The only, like, because usually you hear people from different countries and they sing, and it kind of like they they don't sing in their accent too much. I mean, Dolly Parton obviously does, right? But a lot of them don't really sing in their accent, apart from Kevis Matthews. Yeah, she sounds so Welsh when she sings, but it's the husky voice that goes with it. It oh, I could listen to that all day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there was that big kind of thing just after Britpop of that kind of Welsh music explosion sort of thing with Super Furry Animals and, and you know, all the bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the accent's amazing. Um, I really like it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm trying to think of a link now. Do you know what else he hasn't got a raspy Welsh voice? Hasn't got. That's video games. It's a stretch. So... It is a stretch, but I kind of, I've kind of lost on myself now, and I'm trying to reel it back in. Um, so you go first. First up, what have you got, Stu? Well, nothing Welsh, and I, well, I'm trying. I am actually sitting here racking my brains as to whether there are any games that totally embrace the Welsh thing, and I, I can't think of any. Well, why you start talking about your first game? I'm going to check my notes. I think you should. Yeah, so the first game is a game called Super Ninja Kun, or Kun, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. On... Kun. It's what? Kun. Kun. K-U-N? Yeah. Yeah, Kun. Kun. Okay, cool. I'm glad I've got a Japanese expert here. That's great. Uh, So it's Super Nintendo game, Super Famicom game really, because it's Japanese, from 93, I think maybe 94, so fairly late in the Super Famicom's life. And it's kind of a little bit, it's a bit Shinobi-ish, but it's more kind of Alex Kidd in Shinobi world than it is, you know, flat out Shinobi. So it's a standard sort of action platformer when you're jumping around the place, you're throwing shuriken at enemies, and you've got ninja magic and stuff like that. And it's very cutesy, um, very fun, squishy look to it, and uh, so far it's not doing anything like particularly amazing. It's interesting again to play something from that era on the on the Famicom, just because on the Super Famicom, just because you know the color palette and the way that it plays and the way that it looks are they're not recaptured in you know. There's a lot of people doing a retro style now uh, in their games yeah. you know particularly 
indie developers and and it, it doesn't look like those you know it, it really doesn't it looks you know the art in it is is much more sophisticated than a lot of those efforts even though it's not staggering looking by any stretch of the imagination but you know it's got a nice design aesthetic and oh you know i like playing that kind of action game even if it even if it's only puddle deep yeah i i, I like games that try and be that bit different or, or try and stay a day out just on their own merit so is it is it one that definitely like does it play as well today as it would have back then uh, yeah, yeah, it holds up really well in, in controls. What I like about it is, you know, these things live or die less on their combat than on their jumping, I find, because of the platforming. Yeah. And it has a very good sort of little physics-y weight to the way that you jump. It's, like, satisfying. Yes. And if you nail that, I, I often think that, you know, you're, you're pretty much there. Because I played... I was really excited to play Cyber Shadow, and... I was kind of disappointed with it because I didn't like the way that it handled. And I think it might partly be because it's in a 16 to 9 ratio. And with that wider screen, your actions and your movement feel a lot slower. Yeah. And a lot lot less impactful, I think, um, unless you get it really right. Like, as I said a few months ago, Flynn, Son Son of Crimson, which anyone can play on Game Pass if they've got it, it does it really well. Yeah, it, it gets it right, and it feels like you're covering enough of the screen fast enough. And you know, they're extremely basic games, and you've got to you've got to nail that core component of bouncing around like you know a thing on a spring and flinging your weapons around. It's got to feel great. It's got to feel like fun, uh, and it does that. So you know, Super Ninja Gun does that, and um, so yeah, it definitely still holds up. Excellent. Congratulations on not slipping, by the way, and not not, not accidentally putting a swear in um, <laughs> at the end of any of those t- titles. Yeah, I, um, yeah. <laughs> it's easy. I have to be very careful. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I mean, a good, I like bouncing combat game. But I, I, I'm really up for. I, I, I love the idea of it. And I do enjoy playing them. You know, I, I think when we spoke about Streets of Rage, I like Streets of Rage because it's. Yeah, I mean to say it's grounded is um, is is not quite true because it's over the top. But it's grounded in terms of you walk along and stuff like that. But I do like the ones where you can kind of bounce around the screen, attacking and stuff like that. There's a freedom to it, and you're right. You've got to get that balance spot on because if you get the combat wrong or the platforming wrong, doesn't matter how good the other one is because it just absolutely destroys it. Which you see in a modernish example, is it modern? But in like the original Mirror's Edge, which had some of the best first person platforming I think I've ever played, but weak ass combat. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of ruined what the game was. So yeah, to get that back it's a skill that I think a lot of people still underappreciate. Yeah, I agree. And it was I think it was easier back in the day when everything was a platformer to just kind yeah. of rip off your your neighbours, you know, development work kind of thing and see how they did it and just, you know, copy it. Yeah. And modern ones I don't don't have that point of reference quite as much, I don't think. Especially in sixteen to nine. I think that um Renane, which is coming out, I played a demo of a little while ago that's got an 8-bit yep. sort of spectrum aesthetic although not as ugly Ooh. obviously sorry spectrum owners whoa <laughs> yeah there you go whoa alienated half the audience <laughs> at least hey whoa whoa oh at least our tape decks came included there is that there is that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no um it 
it has that kind of really early 8-bit look that like Downwell does. Yeah. You know, really monochrome kind of thing. It's not monochrome, but it's it's along those specky lines. And uh, that, I think, nails the... I haven't played the full thing, obviously. It's not out yet, but that kind of nails it. I'm really looking forward to that one in a way that I thought Cyber Shadow didn't. So, yeah, no, it's really interesting to... Com- I mean, it's probably not interesting to most people, but oh, no, it's interesting it, uh, to me to compare the past and the present with that. And who cares about the people that listen to us? We're not there for them. Yeah. Here for them. Um, but actually, it brings me... I mean, it's unlike us. I mean, we don't do this often, so allow us to go off on a slight tangent here. <laughs> is You talk about, like, the old aesthetics and stuff like that, which is always interesting. But it got me to thinking. So there's a lot of stuff going on with the Game Boy at the moment, um, which I find really intriguing. Some really good D-makes. Like, someone's made a, like a Disco Elysium D-make and stuff like that. Um, someone's managed to get it so you can stream Grand Theft Auto V to the Game Boy. I use the Game Boy as a screen, to, as a streaming screen, essentially, which is just crazy in my eyes that yeah. someone's been able to do that. But then it got me to thinking, when we talk about the limitations of running a game on a Game Boy, you're obviously restricted by the hardware. And you have, if you're going to do it properly, you've got to go, right, the hardware restrictions are in place. Try and squeeze what you can out of the hardware. It's in place. But cartridges, technology's moved on now. Could you theoretically take the space limitation completely away in a Game Boy game by having 128 gigabyte memory storage within the cartridge so that you could, from the cartridge, stream all the data you need stored on that chip to the cartridge, therefore make a grand epic game in the Game Boy style, restricted only by the hardware? Yes and no. You definitely could do something like that. The engineers behind consoles often think that, oh, there's a there's this upper limit to the amount of memory that you know the amount of ROM that cartridges can have, and then they find that that's actually not true, and that it can yep. take a much higher amount. That happened with the Neo Geo. Uh, what you're limited by mainly is the bus speed so that's the connection between the cartridge and the console and how much data it can stream at any one point uh and most of them just load an an amount into memory but you know with people so like you say rediscovering these consoles and i think yeah mainly because there's a real joy to just that plug and play you get what you're expecting kind of thing you know um I, i think that people could really push that boundary and yeah you could stick like a I mean, if you put 128 gig in, my God, that would be for a Game Boy game. Oh, I know, I went ridiculous. Yeah, but, but I, I know like, what you mean, yeah. I didn't want to say like 128 megabytes in case I went, oh, yeah, because quite easily they've done that kind of thing <laughs> because it's, I wanted to, I didn't want to go over the top to like, oh, maybe two terabytes because that's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, no, in theory, you could you could uh, have any amount of assets stored on the on the car and make it a vast thing, stream them in to some degree and then you'd only be constrained by how many sprites that that the game boy can have on screen at, at, you know one so, time before down and stuff so i suppose technically if someone was clever enough i'm not trying to pitch this as an idea or anything to anyone so unless they want to of course but if someone was clever enough they could essentially you said there was like the bus problem you yeah, know limitation whatever it was yeah, yeah yeah technically someone if they was clever enough could re basically distribute that so you could put extra sh- crap in the cartridge that could handle that to then do all the work so it's only having to send certain data at a certain speed to the Game Boy itself. 
I mean, you're looking at expect more expensive carts and stuff like that. But also, does like if you used to go right, okay, look, we could do this as a ROM, so a Game Boy emulator can do the stuff that the actual physical Game Boy can't, or are we looking at maybe down the line where we've got the analog pocket now, which takes actual cartridges and stuff like that? Is that where the future of Game Boy development's going to be? Are we going to see new games as those things become more popular that can push it even further? Yeah, I would not be surprised at all. I think the, the thing that seems to be the, the deciding factor is how easy these old consoles are to program for. And it's a reason why you don't see... And you do see, you know, quite a few um, Mega Drive and SNES, you know, games getting released, but yeah. nowhere near the amount that you see for 8-bit home computers and even 16-bit home computers because they're much easier to program. And, it, you know, there has to be that, oh, it's it's fairly easy to get to, to grips with. And the, I think the Game Boy is one of those that's really easy to get, well, as I understand it, easy to program for. So I think yeah, really I think it's the step up from the peak O eight, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So I mean, I think it's a really good idea to do that. I I don't think I think most of the community embrace that as well. So it's almost as if yeah. you go right, okay. Well, if we didn't move on from the Game Boy, or we moved on for the Game Boy only after fifteen years instead of you know ten or you know twenty years or whatever, where would it have gone? And to say, well, it might have had this chip in it or this extra storage that made it so much more, that's not beyond the bounds of possibility. So, you know, the SNES yeah. did it itself with, you know, the, the 3D chip uh, and the... And the N64. And the N64, with the, yeah, with yeah. The, Not the rubble pack, the uh, expansion memory stuff. That's right. <laughs> so, I'm so good with words. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, there's loads of examples of it. Yeah, totally. So I, I think the retro community embraced that and that's really good. And I would love to see uh, a Game Boy game that was you know 700 hours long and filled with like billions of different sprite types and stuff that'd be amazing yeah i'd go for that i, I, I just want to see more stuff done with it i want to say you know I, 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 it needs like the, the manufacturers it needs like your nintendos to actually go tell you what look let, let's not try and take everything down um like all, all like the the privacy and the ROM hacks and the video streaming and the the the, the uh, underground competitions and stuff that damages we think damages our brand, but taking this stuff down actually damages our brand. Embrace it, Nintendo. Just yeah. embrace oh, it. Oh, totally. Yeah, it it doesn't hurt them in any way, shape or form. No, no. I mean, you've now got you've got to get your business in order. If you don't get your business in order, Uncle Phil's coming to buy you. <laughs> Just to go back a little bit, uh, game set in Wales. I did a little search on my notes. Ooh. So, to go through, you've got WRC2, WRC4, WRC8, WRC9, and WRC Rally Evolved. Now, I don't think they've covered all the Rally games properly there, because I'm going to assume all the Rally games have a stage set in Wales. Um, a whole bunch of rugby league games, clearly. Ride, another motorbiking racing-style game. Um, the Dirt games. They haven't put Colin McRae down on this list. Surely that's the set. He's got some in Wales. But then we get to sort of like other games. So there's Fantastic Beasts, Cases from the Wizarding World. It's, uh, you know, it's set in Britain, so that stands about right. Now, what we've actually got as well is Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus oh. is set in Wales. Wow. You've got a game called Orbitus. Orbitus, don't know what that is. Mountain Blade Warband is set in Wales. Wow. Um, Resistance 3 
forgot because uh, oh, obviously yeah. I think one of them set in Manchester, isn't it? Yeah. So that's got some parts in Wales. I forgot about that. Cool. A game called called Delka, called called Delka. Never heard of it. Um, and another one which I really really like is called the Black Mirror. It's also set in Wales. Oh wow. And also, I don't think any of these games, surprisingly enough, are made by Wales Interactive. <laughs> Ironic. Oh wow, yeah, no, that's cool. That's, that's good to listen. To, yeah, to what they've what they've produced. So, moving on. First thing I'm going to talk about because we get this one quickly out of the way. It was going to be a little bit thing. I was going to make a joke about DLC at the end, but I'll, I'll just do it. Um, is City Skylines the airports expansion? It's been the first new expansion for City Skylines for, I think we'll say, 18 months. Might be wrong, but say 18 months. Um, basically, what it adds to the game now is modular airports. Um, so before, you there was like um, like flight travel, so you could create an airport, but you just plopped it down and you could change the assets. Now you can actually build an airport out of different elements that are built specifically for this dlc so you could create your run you have to create your runway um you create like parking you create terminals hangars you could decide whether there's cargo planes coming in passenger planes where they go eventually building it up and then sort of like creating your own airline in there as well so you kind of got this airline management sim within a city building sim which is just like, it's really bizarre. It's not in-depth for that, but it takes all the elements from the main game and puts it in there. Um, and it's all right, you know. It's not as... I, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. Um, and what I was hoping it would be able to do would maybe introduce a way of linking up all the different cities you've built in a proper way so you could have like interconnected worlds in a way uh, but it doesn't do anything like that. It just adds airports and let planes come in and out uh, and go off to imaginary cities elsewhere uh, but it does add something different to the game the, the dlc for this is just over a tenner which is about what you'd pay for a lot of the dlc um, that's come out for city skylines over over the past um, and i'm not sure unlike some of the others where it really affects your world and you feel like it and like the green cities like added like eco power and stuff like that really affected how you played the game this just feels like all you're doing is plopping down an airport even though it does have minor effects and stuff throughout your game it feels like it could have been its own thing and concentrated on just building fun airports right yeah or an asset pack that you could have more control over i don't know it just doesn't feel like as meaty an expansion as previous ones which is a shame it's still fun it's still fun and I, I've enjoyed building an airport but unlike with um, the Green Cities and stuff like that I was like going back through old place going oh, I could do this this one I've kind of plopped down a couple of airports built a couple of airports in existing cities and gone yeah okay done now yeah so yeah it's I was really I don't know if it's like I had higher expectations than I should have but it's it's not a letdown but it's not as great as I was hoping it would be it's funny. I don't know how they how they plan these things. I think you know with DLC particularly and bolt-ons and stuff. Whether they think, okay, well, we'll we'll set ourselves a time limit of like you know six or eight months, and we'll we'll chuck out whatever's ready in that time, and our fan base will buy it. Or whether they go right, well, we'll just take the time we need, and it's got to be 
it's got to be a certain level of quality before we release it. And I suppose it's different from studio to studio, but I, I haven't played enough Sk- City Skylines to, to know whether they would or they wouldn't. Do you get any kind of a feel for it one way or the other? I, I don't I don't know. It, it feels like they're just trying to extend the life. I, I, I feel like they're, at what they're doing at the moment is what can we release that isn't just really bad microtransaction asset packs as a whole to try and get the money in to help fund the sequel. It feels like they're gearing up for a sequel. But at the same time, with the airports, is this a case of have they put limited amounts of what they could into it because they want to save stuff for a City Skylines 2 or World Skylines, whatever they decide to do next? Or... Is it going to be a case of we're going to get a sequel come out and we're just going to go, well, this could have been DLC? Yes, yeah. It's hard to tell at the moment. They're not doing anything wrong, you know. Um, I mean, I'm playing Cities at the moment and I've just discovered there's all these, like, British asset packs and everything like that. It's left side driving. The roads have got yellow lines. Like, all does, it looks proper British. Um, so you can have terraced houses and everything, sort of like, so you can look like you're walking around Anfield and, and, and stuff like that. Or any northern city. But it's uh, yeah, it's 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 like the asset packs, the community-driven stuff. Is they embrace it so well that that that's what I get so much enjoyment out of. That I found one of my original cities, and I'm now converting it to sort of like I want to do this kind of like council estate area that sits below like this really like juxtaposition posh area with big houses on hills and stuff like that. And that sort of stuff is really fun. And the, the DLCs used to be, oh my God, this is really good. I can see what this is. It's just not there. And I think everyone's just waiting for a sequel announcement. And that's how it feels at the moment. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Looking at the prices, it's like on Steam, it's like five quid for the for the actual game. Yeah. And then 11 quid for the airport DLC. So it's like the, the price of the original has dropped so far. That it, you know, yeah, it's, it's seven years old now, isn't it? So, yeah, it should be almost free to play. It should be yeah, almost free yeah. to play with these 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 additions added on. And as I think, I think that should be the case for all these sim type games that want to do additions. If you're gonna do DLC in the like the, the, in the way that Cities does or Train Simulator does, Bus Simulator, whatever, make the base game free. Yeah. Get more people on board, and then you can do your DLC because you can pick and choose. Um, whereas I, I still look at Train Sim DLC and I go, I wouldn't mind getting that and sort of maybe doing London to Brighton. But at the same time, I, I've not even like got through everything that I've already got in the main game and I paid for that. So, yeah, it's I, and, and cities. I mean, once you're reducing the game to like three, four quid in a sale on a regular basis, go free to play. Yeah. I don't think your original early adopters are going to kick off. No, <laughs> no, I don't think they are. No, fair play, yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to see if they, you know, if they do bring out a new mainline game in the next year or two. I, I suspect it's got to be on its way, yeah, yeah. I think they are. I love, it can't be another Cities. That's what it can't be. I, they've got to go beyond. Now, is that, can we make worlds? Do they go completely over the top and do something space-based? Yeah. Who knows? I, I don't know what they do from there because the best bit, the, always the best bit about the Cities games is while this is making everything look cool, uh, but also the transport systems. This, that's what makes these games is the transport systems, whether you're trying to fix road issues, get a decent like bus lines in there, train lines, all stuff like that. That's where it excels. 
So we'll see. We'll see. But I, 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 either rejig what this is and just do a look, here's everything to date without going to do monthly packs or whatever, but it's a free to play game, or announce what's coming next because I think everyone's waiting. Well, everyone who's interested in it is now waiting to see what's next. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah, I agree. They should be moving on. Yeah. So what's next with you? Yeah. Well, in terms of moving on, definitely move on to my next one. Yeah, I was intending to play Windjammers 2, uh, and then I completely forgot <laughs> that it existed. Which is a shame, because I really wanted to talk about it on the week that it was released. But yeah, yeah there you go. Just a dummy. But I was sitting there in front of the, the PC going, oh, you know, I really should play some of this stuff that I've got queued up. So I, I selected almost at random a game called Lacuna. And this is a kind of... Yes. Yeah, it's kind of a... It's a story-based adventure... Um, it's almost like a point-and-click adventure, except, you know, it's side-on-scrolling. It's pretty much plays in the classic style of these things. So the yeah. the premise is that it's set in, uh, well, I don't know whether it's the future, but because it, it's set in a different solar system and different colonies have sprung up on different planets and you're on one of these colonies and it looks very much like Earth and they're all human beings. But there's a lot of you know, kind of infighting and political strife between the, the different uh, the different planets and stuff. And you play a detective very much in the sort of noirish, you know, neo-noir mould of, you know, Blade Runner and that, yeah, although it's not very cyberpunky. And you have to investigate a crime that may kick off, you know, a huge sort of civil war or internecine war at least. And yeah, so what you do is you sort of what you walk around. It's a two D, you know, side scrolling thing, and you have an investigation button that allows you to, you know, interrogate the stuff in the room, and you can interrogate people. And when you and there's lots of other sort of regular stuff like you know you you track your notes and you get messages, phone messages and texts, and you can check all of those, and it you know builds up the world that you're in very well. And what you're supposed to do is. A little bit like Phoenix Wright, you're supposed to investigate the scene and then put it all together and then choose in like an answers sheet what you think, who, like who you think the perpetrator is and, you know, where it happened and things like that. So, you know, that's not a brand new invention, but it's a nice wrinkle, you know, it's a good way of bringing that kind of investigative stuff into it. And yeah, it's pretty good. It's, um, Visually, it's done in a very blocky, deliberately sort of 8-bit retro style, which won't sit well with everybody. I quite like it, uh, but it's, you know, it, it it does get a little drab after a little while, I have to say. Yep. But um, it's not bad looking in whatsoever, but it's a very clever story. The storyline is well written. The dialogue's pretty good. It, it's quite mature in that it, I don't mean, you know, it's full of nudity, but it's got, you know, stories about, uh, you know, the stories are about love and about relationships and about you know parenthood as much as they are about politics so it's a grown-up yeah. game and so far yeah i've been quite intrigued yeah no i played this last last year um and i really can't remember if i spoke about it on a on a podcast previously or not I'm, i was meant to but i might not have who knows i can't remember <laughs> But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You said like it does maturity in a way that is this is what maturity actually means. This is what adult actually means. Adult doesn't just mean titillation and sex and swearing 
it uses adult themes and discusses them in a mature way, which I found really intriguing. And if I'm trying to remember my point and clicks correctly that I did play last year, I believe this is one that had a very natural feeling dialogue system to it. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely does a lot of things well that, I, I say, a lot of other major games cannot do. And I think it went under the radar, so I'm glad I, I'm glad you, like, you've got to play it. And it sounds like you had a very similar experience in terms of enjoyment from the game that I did. So, yeah, really good to hear. Cool. Yeah, so what, what's been next on your playlist? So, I've been getting dirty. No surprise there. I've been getting seriously dirty, yeah. Um, I've had... 22 no yeah maybe i don't know how many play this 22 big burly men scrubbing on top of me why i play with an oval shaped ball right and um, what have you been doing with video games oh sorry yeah sorry i've been playing rugby 22 all oh, right yeah this comes out as of recording today actually uh we record on a thursday this comes out today and I'm intrigued by rugby games because they've not developed in the, at a pace in the same way as other sports games such as like American football, um, football, basketball, ice hockey, baseball. Now, I'm not saying any of those are good at the moment. Like the Madden games are, are bad at the moment. The FIFA games are bad at the moment in my humble, you know, my humble opinion. But um, rugby just doesn't seem to have developed as well. You know, the player running animation still feels stilted and it seems to lack the physics that other sports games can have and just doesn't feel natural. Also, most of them are rugby union and I'm not a union fan. I much prefer league. Anyone who's American will have no clue what this is all about, this bit. You know, rugby's rugby, it's not, it's different. But we got American listeners? I don't know. Uh, we'll be back in, show. what am I talking about? Got rugby. we got loads of Russian listeners. <laughs> I suspect they're bots. No, they might not be. Not all of them. You know, one, one person's listening and sending the bots. Come on. Of course. we got, one of them's Vladimir Putin. He <laughs> loves us. He's the only reason he hasn't, like, like actually sent his rockets to the West yet. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound right. It's us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, rugby, 22. I'm trying to delay because I, I, I kind of I don't know what to make of this game. So in terms of physics, the actual game of rugby, it's definitely moved on um, now. It's kind of like had a step up with rugby 22. It feels solid, but it feels like an actual game of rugby rather than it's like someone's watched rugby once and thought this is how a game's going to be made. It feels like... So playing certain ways really does help but it's also done in a way that you've now got on-screen controls that help new players that help you understand how to do a scrub how to do certain line out things you've got lots of little hints something that they started putting in um, like the NBA 2k games or the NHL games which really really helps however they've started testing the waters on this for what looks like an ultimate team style thing and I'm not too pleased with that because it feels quite feature light in a way. So you've got leagues, you've got tournaments, some teams are, are licensed and then there is a career mode to it. But on the whole, I don't know. I don't like it. And then you've got this, this card game, meta game thing going on. And it's just like, oh, you don't need that. 
if you want to do that, do do that separately. But in my rugby games, in my sports games, I kind of just want proper tournaments and leagues. G- give me that. That's all I want. So everything around it is a bit lightweight, which is a shame because the on-field action just feels, for the first time in years in a rugby union game, feels really, really good. Um, and playing the actual games themselves, I really enjoyed. When you hit someone running at you at full speed, you feel the impact. Whereas in previous years, it felt quite light in a way, and it didn't really come across as to what rugby's actually like, because rugby's brutal. Um, and yeah, um, still shame like a lot of the international teams are unlicensed, which is a shame. But yeah, on, on the on the field, great. Away from that, ah, uh, no. Yeah, there's 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 better games out there, unfortunately for that. Uh, but they don't have the engine. This has finally got the engine, but Christ knows what they've done externally to it. Well, I think we're in a pretty terrible state with sports games at the moment. It's just they seem to be, you know, they're dominated by a handful of of publishing houses, and all the stuff around it is based around gambling because it's such a popular thing with you know, casual and hardcore players alike sort of thing. And all of this extra stuff they chuck in there is is pretty much anti-consumer. It's just for the benefit of their pockets. And and there aren't any alternatives out there from indie studios, well, not very many, that you can just turn to as, you know, getting back into a classic arcade or simcade style, you know, experience either. It just seems to be in a really bad way at the moment. Yeah, 100%. And so I still, I went back, I, you know, when I started doing the emulation, I went back and played some um, NFL 2K5. I know it's not rugby, but it's same shape ball and everything in it. I went back and played some NFL 2K5. And yeah, I could see why that still held up as the gold standard. They nailed it with that one. It is absolutely brilliant. But then I, I went through my, my list of games and looking at um, sports games that try and, do something that feels good. So Blood Bowl, I, I really like, but obviously that's that's not American football or rugby in the traditional sense. It uses that as a base and then does it. It's its own sport now, that is. Um, in terms of football games, you've really got to go into the management games to get the most out of them. You've then got your, your fringe sports, a handball 21, which has all the... You know, it feels like a budgety title, but plays really well. So, uh, you know, you get that. Uh, basketball, uh, there is nothing apart from NBA 2K22. No one's even stepping up to the plate, which is a which is a real shame that no one's doing that. In terms of football, no. There's a couple of indie games on my Switch. I can't remember the name of one of them, and that, that shows where that is at the moment. Um, I don't think I've really played a football game for about three, four years now. Um, rugby is almost like where, where some of it is now, because there's Rugby 22, which is out, but I've been pl- I, I love playing Rugby League Live 3, which I think is about seven years old now, possibly, maybe a bit younger. But I enjoy playing that. That's really good. That's got all the official, um, like, St. Helens and uh, Wigan and things like that in it. So it's got proper, like, Super League teams in it. But for Rugby Union, there's one called uh, Rugby Champions, which 
is graphically it's very it's 3d and it looks like it could do with some work like in terms of polish but in terms of game engine it is so in depth you know you almost need to be a rugby expert to understand it so again it's like it's a it plays rugby as rugby should be but it's just not going to capture a casual audience it's not going to capture uh people who, who just want to pick up a game and play it is for hardcore rugby fans and i don't know how many hardcore rugby fans are big into playing video games especially early access or waiting for them to get good yeah and then there's like you go to the other end there's a game called super blood rugby sevens which is like an arcade style sensible soccer type thing but in rugby which is really really good but the best i think overall of these sports games that sort of come out and is doing the right thing i'm just trying to remember what the title of it is it's an american football game yeah legend bowl which is um it's basically reminds you of like the old Madden games or the old NFL games that used to get where it's like almost like this top down type thing um, and then you still choose all your things but again it seems to have good physics in a 2D world but has that simplistic look that allows casuals to get into it but is that goes in but goes has so much depth to it if you want it that proper fans of the sport could get into it it don't uses no real life teams so it's all custom teams which I think the best sports titles, honestly, that's what they do. They do custom teams that you can, yeah. if you want, you can go in and create the real teams yourself. Yes. Uh, but this, for me, like um, Legend Bowl is the standout of all these types of games at the moment. But yeah, Rugby 22, it, it feels like it's trying to chase that FIFA and NBA 2K carrot. And it's, it's not there yet. They, they've shown their hand where they want to go too early rather than concentrating on getting that engine working. Yeah, I think that nails it, really. Yeah, it's it's just a shame. Uh, it needs to uh, some sort of shake-up that allows for being able to enter your own teams and, and for those games to be the the predominant force in the market. But, hey, ca- sports, sports titles are the cornerstone of, you know, video yeah, games. Yeah, They've been around, like, almost like... I mean, you think the, the first popular home video game was Pong. Um, again, it, well, we know it wasn't the first, but it was the first popular one. And that's tennis, essentially. So it's, you know, video games has its history in sports. And it's definitely, I think, over the past decade, I think developers of sports games have lost sight of why they work so well in video games. Uh, yeah, I agree. So, I, again, if you want to play a good one, if anyone says they want a good sports game, get Legend Bowl. Show support to... Um, to the developers there i'm just gonna check it's 15 quid which might seem steep but it's what a third of the price of a new madden game it's twice as good yeah yeah three times as good so you know any more from you no no that's it for me this week i have one more um it's an old game that's just found new life on a new system oh and i'm not talking about grand theft auto 5 on game boy (laughs) i've been playing astronia on the switch which i just came out of nowhere really i was not expecting this to come out on switch the game's what six five six years old now and i remember touching it a little bit when it was on uh, when it first came out on steam it's going, yeah this is pretty good and then getting swept up with a bunch of other stuff and completely forgetting it existed so i've started it up again on the switch and god damn if ever this is what again it's one of those games where you go I'm sorry for the cliche, but this is perfect for Switch. 
Yeah. Because you've got your crafting, your your exploration, it's interplanetary stuff, and the base building is really fun. And I like the idea of you're tethered to it still. You've got to upgrade and develop to be able to go further, to get more stuff, to expand further. And it, it, it's it's like basically lines go up the video game, but represented so, so well. And yeah, I I just really I'm a couple of hours into it, and I don't think I've got that far. Or a few hours, sorry, I don't think I've got that far out yet. But I love sort of like I could pick it up on the Switch. I could play half hour, maybe an hour, progress a small amount sometimes, and that feels like I've still done something. Or I get that moment of clarity where I go, oh, if I do this. I could get this far out by building this and, and and stuff like that and the you know the defamation of the of the planet of every, you can really like it feels like a peaceful red faction with the amount of like defamation you can do um, and you feel like you can make these planets that you go to your own you really feel like you could do stuff with it and you know I I think I've barely scratched the surface but I'm having so much fun with it. And yeah, it's, you know, a visual downgrade on the Switch to be expected, but I don't think that matters. I think the art style really, really helps it. And this is a game that goes, look, we're a sandbox and picks it up well, rather than going, look, what what can we shoehorn this sandbox stuff into our, like, our different game? This is a game that's built to be a sandbox from the ground up like Minecraft was. And it, it, it definitely pays an homage to Minecraft, but without aping it too much and does its own thing but yeah having a really really good time with this nice yeah it, it's uh it's a lovely looking game and it's good that they've made sure that it works properly on switch and you know it it's really starting to show its age now which is it's, it's symptomatic of what nintendo do you know that they they always bring consoles out that are weaker than everything else in the market just so that they can hit the ground day one and make a profit and you know that does yep. mean that they start looking pretty ancient pretty quick so it's great when they really focus on getting the most out of the system like they did with metroid dread you know and stuff like that rather yeah. than just shoehorning in something else and going ah you know okay it slows down to 15 frames a second but we don't care so yeah no that sounds good yeah and the, i mean with nintendo as well i think actually is a good thing with this and we spoke about this earlier with the the game boy stuff is when it's restricted in a way, you that's where you start to start seeing the, the creativity of developers because they, I think when you've got ultimate power on the PC or on the PlayStation 5, for example, you kind of take so many shortcuts in terms of, look, we haven't got to compress this, this, this imagery down or this audio down because, you know, we'll just, whatever. People will cut hard drives, they'll buy a bigger hard drive. Yeah and kind of like they just don't need to worry about it whereas with a nintendo product and i think with an indie game as well because a lot of people when you see an indie game you go how many gigabytes for an indie are you sure it kind of it becomes almost a barrier as well so you in a way so you've got to have that creativity how can we make this thing look the best it can be while making it the smallest possible file it can be and art style has a lot to do with that uh astronia nails that it just i mean it's looks to me almost as beautiful on the switch as no man's sky does on tv that's pretty good not quite i mean no man's sky is a beautiful game no matter what you say about it it is beautiful yeah. but the arts are here you know you could go yeah if someone had said to me this is 
a prequel to No Man's Sky. I'd have gone, yeah, okay, I yeah. get that. Um, and but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's I don't. It's almost one of those games that I shouldn't like. It's an open world crafting survival game. I don't do those, but this one, it just gets it just right. It scratches that itch somehow. Sweet. Yeah. I might even look at picking that up because that sounds, uh, yeah, sounds like something I might really get into. Yeah, I think you could probably get it for about a tenner, maybe, somewhere at some point hmm. but on, on Steam. But again, if you look around, you'll probably get it even cheaper. I don't know, like humble or something that would probably be given away in a humble who knows <laughs> but yeah it's it's, it's it, it is honestly a really 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 good game there you go it's 15 12 pound at humble right now i'm not we're not even affiliated i don't even know why i did that <laughs> no idea why i just did well, that no, i mean you know you want people to get their hands on it so you know that's fair yes i get your games at humble store <laughs> shill let's go back to last week yeah, I've been playing Raid Shadow Legends. It's great. But yeah, mixed, mixed bag for me this week. Um, I feel like it's the most negative week I've had. But I mean, in ter- just in terms of what I'm having to talk about, I've played loads of great games this week. I've actually kind of like, almost going on like a, a personal demo spree with games I've had installed. It's gone like just like half hour to an hour on each. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm having a great time. I played more of a power wash simulator <laughs> i was only meant to play like half hour of that just for something to do and end up losing hours cleaning uh, an entire house and like yard and everything god damn that's satisfying <laughs> excellent i'm not gonna go do it in real life i don't want to go and wash someone's house but damn that's satisfying in game so weird isn't it human brains so weird yeah but it's also because in real life i don't have a button that i can press that like highlights all the dirt orange so i can see it Aha. that's good that, that will be very handy that will come soon, won't it, via AR glasses? Oh, it's got to. If not, I hope I hope Uncle feels this into this and going, oh yeah, I'm a DT. Get on that. <laughs> but anyway, moving on from video games to physical and virtual video games, in a way. I've been playing, this is, this is an ADHD thing coming up, but I've been playing a, a lot of virtual pinball tables this past week or so because I love pinball. I absolutely love pinball. Now, the problem with pinball is you can't have one in your house. You can't have too many in your house, especially if you live in a small two-bedroom flat. So, you know, you have to make do. Every time you go to the arcade, you try and search out a pinball table. Usually, if you find an arcade in South End, the pinball tables you find are not well looked after in the arcades. They're usually stuck in a corner. The flippers are sticky. They've had whatever spilt on top of them. Not all the lights work, and they're just not the right experience. But there are various places you can go that do look after their pinball tables. But over the past few years, we've seen the advent of virtual pinball tables. So that's via Pinball FX with a lot of their fantasy tables and some proper recreations. Um, first time around the Pinball Arcade, which was designed around doing some proper like table recreations. And then those licenses were sold to Zen. So Pibble FX3 now has all those proper tables, all the Williams and classics and everything in there. But what I recently discovered, thanks to a forum I, like, we both frequent um, on RealMerk, is uh, there's a thing called Virtual Pinball, which basically 
does recreations of all original tables as well as people making their own original tables. So you, there's a weird licensing thing essentially with Virtual Pinball that ROMs are freely available on like Stern's website and Williams' website and stuff like that for the tables because a lot of the modern tables need ROMs to run to tell it when to do certain activities and stuff like that, even on the physical table. So you can get those freely. You're not allowed to then use them for commercial gain, but it appears like there's... I would say we're not like in terms of grey market, we're pushing more towards the, you know, the, uh, the cream market, cream coloured market um, in terms of that you can use them to do table recreations and distribute those for free. I think, don't get me 100%, we're not going into details on the legality of uh, virtual pinball tables. Anyway, there's this program called Virtual Pinball X, which is uh, basically a, a way of playing the games that runs with other systems such as uh, Virtual Pin Mame and other ones. Uh, there's different competitor competitors as well that do their own style table systems and everything. And basically, yeah, you download them, you install the table, install the ROM, you can install like the different like uh, background like glass marquees, the dot matrix displays and stuff like that plays a nigh on perfect game of pinball um you could tweak the physics perfectly so you could do like the little uh flip flipper trick so you could like learn how to catch a ball dead and stuff like that stuff you could do that that i didn't feel you could do properly in i went back and tested in uh like pinball fx they couldn't do that properly but anyway i've been playing these and they scratch that itch of someone with ADHD better than many other video games because you could you could chuck one on you could, like it's instant you're instant you're in you're, you're sticking your coins whether it's real or virtual you hit start pull the plunger go and you're into it and you could kind of go at it bullying a china shop. And you go at it, but in a China shop, because that's what you can do. And then as you get into it, you get this hyper-focus. You go, right, oh, actually, how do I get better points? And your hyper-focus kicks in. You start learning how to use the tables or how to set off all the different modes. And then you go down a rabbit hole of, right, I can read this, and this tells me what, how to set all the different modes, what each of the lanes are, what if I hit these bumpers, what will it do? You start looking for videos on it. You start then going, right, okay, oh, my body, it does turn vertical so i'm going to switch my turn my monitor and i'm going to do it vertical ah right i've got issues with this part so i've got to do a lot of happy so i'm not going to get a second monitor now i need to get another monitor that i can keep vertical and i can lay down on my table and you just go down this rabbit hole and i don't even know where i'm going with this now but it's just pimples great man and it scratches an adhd itch like nothing else right fair play i i love pinball as well i mean i'm not as i'm not as into the video game you know pinball recreations as much i mean i like some of them i think that you know they're some of them are really excellent i went back all the way to like devil crash and alien crush and stuff yeah. um on the on the pc engine and mega drive and things like that but there's something about you know like you say playing them in in real life with the actual ball and the actual physics and the noise and the feel of it it's so good it's really 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 gripping I yeah I I whenever I get the chance I I always have a go on them I I just love them and yeah those those sorts of physical games in arcades like air hockey and stuff like that you know they really do like you say scratch a kind of particular itch yeah their their immediacy and their their physics oh yeah I love them they're designed in such a way like 
we often talk about these days of uh, games being built purely to take your money. So like FIFA's Ultimate Team, it's built and it's designed just for you to pay money. Star Wars Battlefront 2 was designed to make you pay money, extra money, even though you bought the game. And we criticise that, and rightly so, because the tactics they use are underhanded, and it's not designed to be a fun game to play. It's designed to be a compulsive thing. But the old arcade games, they were designed to take your money, to make you want to keep putting your money in. But they did it by being fun. And that's all it was. There was no reward for pinball. You weren't getting tickets out of it. There was no sort of like pay to win mechanic or anything like that. You put your money in, you had fun, you put more money in, you had more fun. And you just played for longer. My my favourite pinball table of all time is the Adams Family. Um, Absolutely amazing table. If I ever see that... I will do it. And again, if I ever have a big enough house, which I never will, and I can have a proper games room, I've got, I said before, my four-player Daytona cabinet goes on one wall. Adam's family gets its own special spot on another wall as a pinball table. And two first things I put in my, my mythical game room. Yeah, don't blame me. So even the old like pinball FX and the pinball arcade games, they was okay, but they didn't feel quite right. But this again proves why the community is better than the company at all times because the community recreations of these tables, it's not just, oh, look, here's the table. It looks like the table and the ball moves around it. They've done it that each table could be configured individually so you get different uh, uh, friction types depending on what material the play surface is, what materials are used for ramps, etc, etc. You can change the physics and the rubber elasticity of flippers. Um, it's got all the built-in mechanics that you'd get in a physical cabinet. Now, I'm playing on a, um, on a, joy, on a uh, joypad, an Xbox controller, on a uh, landscape monitor at the moment. And you feel like the feedback on it is really good. And I'm, I'm thinking now... Dual sense this if for controllers if you can get this working with a dual sense oh my god right but at the moment you get the false feedback like the rumble feedback sorry from it and you feel like you're actually pressing the buttons such as how this really works if there's a physical attachment to it but from what i understand the virtual cabinets you can buy which has like a play field and then a separate screen for your back glass and dmd has actual proper buttons in it a proper button for a plunger and everything they actually feel like you're playing a real table, such is the quality of it and the way the community have built them. And I really, 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 really want one. Uh, it, 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 that's, that's my new dream now that I can't, I don't think I can have a physical, if I had a physical Adams family, it would be there as a display thing only. Alongside, I think, a virtual pinball cab, full size virtual pinball cabinet with like all the different tables in. I mean, at the moment on the forum, we're doing a Lord of the Rings high score competition for the week because it's one of the like an updated table that's been brought ever whole loading new bells and whistles and everything and it's just so so good and what the community does is just it's it's outstanding and as i said you can go in and you can spend five minutes you can spend five hours and it's like that repeat cycle is just so so good and i, I can't think of another genre even video games that scratches that ADHD itch like pinball does. Yeah, I can imagine really, yeah, because it's just so tactile, you know, that thump, yeah. the thump of everything, the way that it, you know, all the bumpers and things just activate. 
I was always fascinated by how that worked as a kid, how such old technology from like the 50s was able to like sense things touching it so that it could bounce them back off and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, it's just great. I love it. I love it. I, I'd like yeah. I'd like one of those setups as well. And the dual sense would be really good with the haptic triggers. That would work really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. But to get into it, honestly, to get your virtual pinball software downloaded, your first table set up, you're looking at half hour work at most, and it's a hundred percent free. Yeah. And that's crazy. Yeah. And it's a it's a definitely a gateway drug. I found out yesterday as well you could get like a tabletop cabinet as well. I was like, so you need to use like a small 24-inch screen and then an 11-inch screen for your back glass and everything. And I kind of went, oh, if I was clever enough, that's doable. <laughs> I could build that. I couldn't, but I could find someone who could. And I'm looking at, you know, when I, if I do get my personal independence payment or anything like that, and that's backdated well enough, I could treat treat myself and the kids <laughs> because they're really into it because I've got a whole bunch of Disney tables for Edith to play and she loves them. I think that's great for sort of like, again, family activities. So you could, if you've got one of these, you go, right, who's making the dinner? Or who's washing up? We'll decide it this way. Yeah. Let's see if we can get a high score on the table. Kids are a great way of, of justifying purchases as well if they're into it. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want to buy this. Why, kids? They'll like it. Yep. Yeah, but pinball, it's its a perfection in design. Oh, I'd love to, if I knew enough about pinball and stuff, I'd love to do a documentary about why it's perfect in terms of its just game design, aesthetic design, technical design, all of it, because its its it's never moved on. Yeah. I mean, I remember even having a, like the core, I had one of those cheap ones you used to get out of Argos or Dixon's or um, or Index or whatever that cost about 15 oh, quid. Yeah. And I had like a Batman logo slapped on it and was like cheap and nasty. I spent hours playing those. Yeah. They were sh**. But I had, an, I had a pinball machine in my home that essentially played the exact same way as the best pinball machines in the arcades. Nice. And, 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 you know, it doesn't, doesn't change. And what I love as well with these table recreations is how faithful they are, right? You've got to press a button to put coins in and then press another button to sort of start the table up Yeah. as well. You can get into the menu, you can change um, certain, you can make the game more difficult. And they're doing it just for the love of it. There's no money involved with these people doing it. They're doing it just because they love it. And God bless these people. Yeah. And this is why I want Stern, Williams, whoever, should actually compensate these people because they're going to bring a whole new audience back to pinball. Yeah. If they get the right exposure. I got lucky to find them. I I, I, I stumbled upon them. They realised like a few of the pinball enthusiasts on the forum were already talking about this, but I stumbled upon it for something. I think I was looking to try and find like what's the best recreation retro pinball game because I've got a whole bunch um, on launch, on my launch box and so I was like oh what's the best one of these to play because there's quite a few and I really fancy one and then I came across this I was like okay yeah so this the exposures I partly want to go keep this as underground as possible because that's where the creativity comes from but partly goes reward these people without shutting anyone out yeah yeah but yeah sorry to go off on an ADHD Wah. but yeah I just yeah it's been a, a, what an amazing week for pinball for me yeah, you've made me want to get into it, uh, which is, yeah, 
pretty good. I've got to shut up now. <laughs> well, it was very good. Uh, that's really fascinating about the pinball stuff, and always wanted to talk about it because it's so it's so cool. I I just love it, and you don't see it enough around because you know they're massive, they're expensive, they're noisy. You're not going to get them in every pub that you go to. You know, it's they're rarely seen, and uh, yeah, they're brilliant. And I would love to have one. I'm very 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 jealous of Americans with their huge houses and their massive basements, and they can just you know fill this stuff up absolutely incredible <laughs> but anyway yeah that's a pipe dream but never mind so that'll be the end of it for this week as usual follow us on all the socials join the discord if you want to chat about anything at all and in the meantime stay safe and stay sane